Gateway 1, 2, and 3, 1966. Roxana Castillo, Chromogenic Prince. You may recognize the location featured in this series of photographs from your own exploration of the estate grounds. For these three images feature the ornate, asymmetrical pillars that flank the entrance to the labyrinth. Castillo took the pictures from a considerable distance to better convey the structure's imposing size, remarkable even in comparison to the towering height of the hedges behind it. But even more remarkable is the story, or rather the questions, revealed by the successive images. According to Castillo, the obvious differences between them were only visible through her camera's lens, which in turn translated into the printed photographs. But in the moment, she said, her naked eye saw nothing of the strangeness between those pillars. The first photograph is, as Castillo put it, the control element of this collection. For all photos in the series were taken at around midday, no more than a few minutes apart. And this image shows nothing more than the empty path that leads into those looming hedges. Yes, the shadows are a bit longer than one might expect, given the sun's position high overhead, but that is the only thing about it that could be considered odd. The true strangeness begins in the second photograph, which features two people silhouetted against the entryway. Though they are too small to identify in the picture, Castillo's notes reveal that the silhouettes belong to Annabelle Godfrey and Letitia Hanford, who had been keeping her company as she worked. To provide a better sense of scale, she had asked them to stand in that threshold as a reference. As she described it in her notes, Castillo then raised her camera, looked through the viewfinder, and gasped. Her finger hit the shutter button purely out of muscle memory, for before she knew it, she was urging Annabelle and Hanford to move away from the labyrinth. The reason for her sudden alarm is clear in the second photograph. A mass of shadowy tendrils as tall as the labyrinth itself. Though it is impossible to tell for certain in this still image, there is enough blurring of those glittering shadows to suggest movement. A lot of movement. And all those extensions of shadow seem to aim in the direction of Hanford, who is the figure on the left-hand side of the gateway. Aim toward her, but stop short in a strangely uniform distance, as if hitting an invisible barrier. Despite her confusion, Hanford stepped away at Castillo's urging, convinced by her tone. Annabelle, however, remained on that threshold, remained there, and turned to look down the path. The third photograph in this series features Annabelle in that exact position, facing a mass of shadows radically altered from the previous image. Where before there was a sense of untamed wildness, here the tendrils of darkness touch and wrap around Annabelle in a manner more akin to a caress than something angry or possessive. She is too small in the picture to make out any kind of reaction on her part. But from how she carries herself in this photographed moment, there does not seem to be surprise or alarm in her posture. She was very curious, however, to see Castillo's developed photographs. When she finally did, Castillo noted a distinct lack of shock in Annabelle's reaction to the third picture, but marked her partner's deep concern at the second one. When Annabelle asked Castillo to avoid the labyrinth from then on, it was an easy request to follow. The incident had alarmed Castillo so much that, 
Though she would continue documenting the estate for the rest of her life, she never again photographed that gateway. According to interviews and journal entries, she never even looked at it through her camera again. Afraid, she said, of what she might see. Calling all audiophiles. No, not your MP3s or M4As, not your WAVs or AIFFs. It's lovers of audio, storytelling that is, who will be most excited about our latest offering. The Godfrey Estate is thrilled to announce that the museum will play host to the famous live event turned radio program turned podcast, The Moth. Fans and newcomers alike can get front row seats to this insightful and exciting event. All at the museum you know and love. For anyone unfamiliar with the show, its usual format proceeds as follows. The first half of the program features a panel of entomologists, zoologists, and cryptid experts who will discuss the latest sightings, studies, and theories related to the legendary figure, the Mothman. If you're a diehard listener, you know that these academic discussions can quickly turn into heated debates and even the occasional brawl. A Q&A will follow the panel discussion, then a short intermission. Rounding out the event, local storytellers will share their tales about all things Mothman, their own sightings of the creature, what the existence of such an extraordinary being means to them, etc. All told without notes, straight from the heart. If you have a Mothman story and are interested in sharing it at this upcoming event, please submit your pitch directly to the Moth staff. For more details about this new offering, please visit the information desk located in the atrium. Untitled, 2003, Doris Salcedo, 1500 Chairs. The afternoon in 2016 when this work arrived here is among the more memorable days in the estate's long history. And that is saying something. On that day, in the gallery in which you currently stand, witnesses first reported hearing a loud clatter as something hit the floor with great force. They turned just in time to see a single wooden chair teetering back and forth until it stopped at an improbably slanted angle balancing upon a single spindly leg. The witnesses barely had time to wrap their minds around this strange appearance when another wooden chair materialized out of nothing and tumbled beside the first one. Then another appeared. And another. Until finally the witnesses needed to run for cover as the remainder of this towering pile of chairs cascaded in a thunderous downpour into the position you now find it. Once the literal and metaphorical dust had settled, Keen-eyed observers accurately identified this piece as an exact remounting of Salcedo's site-specific installation from 2003. Though where the first iteration was supported by multi-story buildings in Istanbul, you can see that this revived version is a freestanding structure. On that note, please remain mindful of the safety lines demarcated on the floor. No chairs have fallen from the tower during its time at the estate, but you can never be too careful. There's no denying that 1,500 is an impressive number, especially considering that each chair in this work had a life and history before Salcedo selected them for this piece. Of the chairs visible in the outermost areas of the tower, all are of simple design. 
Functionality preferred over ornamentation. The kind of chairs you might expect to see around a kitchen table. In the cafe around the corner. In a waiting room. No frills, just a place to rest, if rest is needed. These objects, stacked haphazardly in this impossible pile, bore witness to the thousands of small and large moments that made up thousands of lives. Homework completed after a day at school. Laughter shared among old friends. Countless cups of coffee consumed over countless morning newspapers. Difficult but necessary conversations between those who loved yet struggled to understand one another. What happened to those whose lives intersected with these objects? Where did they go? Why did they have no more need for these chairs? Was the reason mundane? Or was it sudden and violent, like these objects' arrival here in 2016? Unexpected and frightening. We will never know. We can only know the gaps in the narrative. The empty space that honeycombs through this tower, where unknowable stories hide, lost to time and happenstance. Despite the best efforts of the Godfrey staff, no one has successfully determined what keeps this tower upright. The laws of physics certainly disagree with its very existence. But perhaps there is something to that empty space. An absence that paradoxically creates something tangible. Perhaps it is the immensity of all the lives that have touched these objects that exist within those gaps, in those empty places that were once so very full, an immensity that binds this structure together against all odds. Perhaps those stories aren't quite lost after all, not fully. Maybe they anchor themselves here, taking up impossible space, achieving an impossible thing, waiting for what is perhaps a final impossibility. Someone to release them. Thank you for listening to the Godfrey Audio Guide. This episode was written, produced, and performed by Nicole Knudsen, with sound design and editing by James Ferrero. It was produced on unceded Tongva, Chumash, and Keech territory. Enjoying your trip to the estate? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. And consider telling a friend about us. Or two. Or three. Or everyone you know. To keep up with The Godfrey, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Godfrey Guide, or visit our website, thegodfreyaudioguide.com. For Godfrey merchandise, visit our online store, thegodfreyaudioguide.threadless.com. And finally, if you're interested in becoming a sustaining member of the show, make sure to visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash thegodfreyaudioguide. In addition to our various membership tiers, you'll also find full episode transcripts available as public posts for any who wish to read them. Until next time, friends, see you back at the museum. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, 
innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.